episode one. <laughs> also not it. Not true. He's lying, everybody. He's lying. Uh, episode one plus 40, which is for those kids who didn't get left behind by that uh, education bill. It's episode 41 of Stats That Matter, the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. It's in the books. We recap the action while making some fire predictions for the conference championships. In our cups this week, it's a barrel-aged Imperial Porter from Potland, Maine. Ayat. And a double IPA from North... Oh, sorry. East Haven, Connecticut. You can find Stats That Matter wherever you get your podcasts. Stitcher, Apple, Google, Spotify. You can follow us on Instagram at Stats That Matter and on Twitter at Stats Podcast. Let's get into the show today. So, Tim, I'm very glad to see that you actually made it out of North Haven, Connecticut. I thought that you might be buried with all the beers that were available for you there. Um, but you only went across town. And you didn't really go across town. You yeah. went up. It's like, are you is, – is is Connecticut where you live? It's like one of those RPG games where the map is, like, dark. And you have to, like, you know, go into venture into other parts of the map, like, to find different breweries. But yeah. North Haven just has so many of them that you're just – I mean, eat whatever. I don't know. what Whatever Haven you're part of, I don't even – the Twilight Haven, just like what? I'm wondering. If, I'm wondering if I'm wondering if Haven just is what they call Connecticut, and I'm just <laughs> you know buying from regions now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's the beer Haven of New England. Wow! Yeah, right. we did I, it. I, I, yeah, I we did it. That. I accept that. That's that's a good dad joke there. <laughs> um, well, you got a you got a double IPA this week, and since it's stout weather, I'm very surprised to, to see the, you have a double IPA here. So why don't you kick it off? Tell the mm-hmm. listeners what you're drinking here. Yeah, man. Uh, so I'm uh, an equal opportunist when it comes to beer, and I think every beer has its uh, has its place. In the last, I don't know, two episodes, I've had a stout, uh, I had a lager, and I'm now I'm having a double IPA with a little uh, whiskey sidecar because we're getting crazy on Tuesday. Um, no, but this sucker, uh, it's from, uh, Beard Brewing and Armada Brewing. It's called All My Best Friends Are Hip Hop Heads. Uh, solid collaboration. I like both of these guys. Beard is one of my favorite smaller local breweries. Um, anybody who lives in Connecticut has heard of them before. Hobbit Juice is a big one of theirs. Um, but <clears throat> I'm a big old school 90s hip hop fan. So this one kind of stuck out a little bit, but. It's a uh, it's an eight point five percenter uh, double dry hopped with uh, over the top amounts of citric, uh, citric, citra, mosaic, and Eldorado. Uh, citric is a, a, an IT slang for any of you nerds out there with me. Um, let's try this sucker. Went to Top Golf the other night, and they had a they had like a late nineties, early two thousands R and B. Hip hop groove. I was definitely feeling it. Yeah, man. It's hard to beat. They say that that uh, those are the two best decades of music, and you know, after living through the 2010s, I, I'm inclined to agree with them. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's give this a second try. Yeah, that's good. It's um. For the labeling on the can, I mean, it's what does it say? Double dry hopped with ridiculous amounts of hops. 
I'm not feeling quite the ridiculous amount. It's good. It's good. It's got a lot of that like standard New England punch to it. Um, a little more bitter for what I would be expecting out of that collection of hops. Um, El Dorado for me tends to, I think, be more on that side of things. Uh, I thought it'd be a little bit more citrusy. It's kind of along that sort of pungent grapefruit line. Um, which isn't totally my favorite flavor when I'm drinking IPAs. You get somewhere it tastes like you're just biting into a grapefruit, and I know some folks love it. Like me. Not re- yeah, not so much my cup of tea. I mean, it smells great. It smells like fruity, tropical, but the taste... Taste doesn't quite match it or match like the aroma you get out of here. I mean, it's it's good. I would, I mean, I could definitely drink more of these. Um, but I'm going to give this one, which is too bad because I like, I like Beard. Armada Brewing is one I've already said for me was kind of hit or miss. Um, unfortunately, I don't know if they're, what side of this collaboration is is kind of the one you point your fingers at, but this one this one doesn't live up to the previous Armada we had. I'm going to give this one a 3.9. It's very difficult for any any beer that, that comes out of a, a brewery to live up to a triple IPA that is just incredibly smooth and got nice citrus notes. So. Yeah, that beer was phenomenal. I have, I have found that beer again, and I have purchased it and drank it again. Ah, very, very nice. Very nice. All right, I've got this... Uh, Barrel-aged maple porter from Bissell Brothers Brewing at a Potland, Maine. Okay, this is a fantastic beer. It's called Angels with Filthy Souls. It's been running a few years now, and I've been pretty lucky to see some friends and family in Maine Christmas time, and I just happen to get one of these every year. Very, very excited about it. Not the main reason <laughs> that I go to Maine for Christmas, but uh, it's certainly a nice icing on the cake. Um, this is a fantastic beer. I haven't had this year's variant, so I'm really excited about it. It's the first uh, time they put it in bottles, 16.9-ounce bottles instead of a four-pack of cans. Uh, but that's okay because when I had the cans, I would usually just throw you know, two down the gullet in one night and really kind of enter the uh, the vision realm, if you will. So let's see how this bad Larry uh, tucks on here. wonder how much of that had to do with the can shortage What's going on? If you're a Treehouse fan, you've probably been a little taken aback looking at some of the crazy pictures you've seen of the bottles of like Julius and Green and whatnot you're seeing floating around. It's because there is currently, we are in the midst of a can shortage. So you're starting to see a lot of like weird things and like 12 ounce cans from breweries that normally put out 16 ounce cans, little things like that. Everyone's just trying to get by. Yeah. Uh, first thing, obviously, as a porter, right, the working man's beer, right? It, it's supposed to be, I mean, dark, but it's not supposed to be too thick. But this has a nice, like, stout almost head on top of it. Uh, nice, yeah. nice and tan. Smells just super rich. Mm. I've been fortunate. Enough. I've had that. Uh, I've had that once or twice before. Oh, okay. So I've had this for a few years now, and I can say. When you have it, like the year it comes out, it's really, really sweet, right? It's maple syrup, you know, and you're going to get a lot of that that flavor anyways. One thing that I find that I don't really like about it 
is that it's like the name is Angels with Filthy Souls. And I feel like I'm a dragon by the time I finish drinking it. Like, I feel like there's just so much like booze that's on my breath for 11.6 that I could literally just set something on fire. Hmm. This year, I don't get it. For 11.6%, it's cold. But I, I, I think even if I let it like warm up a little bit, I probably wouldn't taste uh, the alcohol which would then entice me to drink a second one of these, which I already know from experience I shouldn't do. So I won't do that. Uh, just one 16.9er tonight. But that is that is that is good. I, I'm, I won't rate it as high as I think I did the first couple of times because I, even though I don't really like the overly booziness of it, now that I don't have it in the beer itself, it, it definitely is sort of tripping me up a little bit. Um, yeah. Hmm. Uh, you know, I, I would probably give this one a like a like a four three. It, mm-hmm. it it really is. I don't I don't know. Maybe it's just like they're the the brewers are getting super comfortable with brewing it, and this is the product that they actually want to put out. And maybe that just you know, the first two prior renditions of it were just super super boozy. This hides it really really well. Um, but I I don't really like that necessarily with. You know, ten percent ABV beers. Uh, I kind of want the the sting a little bit, and I'm not really getting it. I mean, it's a fantastic beer. It's got for all these adjuncts, like it's very good. But I just expected a little more bite. Nice. I've been on a uh, big uh, whiskey kick lately. I've always been a big fan of whiskeys. I just didn't tend to keep them around the house all that often. One because I don't I don't drink a ton these days, so it felt kind of like a waste just hanging around and to my wife literally hates the smell of it. Like can't stand it. So if I come to bed <laughs> at night smelling like a bottle of whiskey, you know, not loving it, but <clears throat> as of late, I've started to kind of reintroduce it a little bit in like smaller amounts. And I got one that uh, is a little bit of a, a, of a treat, if you will, as a celebration for a new beer. And it's, uh, it's this really limited edition, uh, bottle that comes out from high west distilling called a midwinter night's dram and it's a whiskey uh aged in french oak port barrels and like connecticut got like five of them in total and i managed to get one of them and it is phenomenal that's actually what my little sidecar here and if you are a whiskey fan it's not something you're going to drink every night because, you know, the price tag is a little high. But when you, <laughs> when you, you get it, it yes, like this thing will probably last me for like the next year just because I'm not going to power through something like that. But damn good. It's, it's your pappy. That's what it is. Yeah, even. Yeah, pappy's not a uh, pappy's not a bad way to describe it like I, I think it's in that realm i've never held a pappy like there's some really good whiskeys out there you can get for really cheap like elijah craig single barrel series where um basically it's like their small batch but they let a liquor store or a package store pick a barrel and then that barrel specific to that uh to that uh reseller so i have one of those as well that is phenomenal and it's like 30 bucks a bottle so oftentimes you try to equate cost with flavor um that one's that one's phenomenal for the price point it easily should be priced higher than that but anybody who's looking for a good whiskey that's mid-range a little bit higher than your jack daniels and some of the other bourbons arise that are out there 
Elijah Craig small batch or single barrel would be uh, would be my ideal go to. Hmm. But if you ever get a chance uh, to go out to the Pacific Northwest, go to Seattle. There's a place in uh, Capitol Hill, the little Capitol Hill neighborhood. It's called Cannon. It's a whiskey bar. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it looks real nondescript from the outside. It's like a black building with a couple windows. You come inside and there's like a library, just a wall, mm-hmm. and all these bottles. Right. And you got the, you know, the the bartender that has the the ladder that moves up and down. Uh, so they, like, they'll, oh, go yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll grab like the bottle, come down and, you know, pour it off the 15 page menu or something like that. It's It's been quite a few years since I've been there. But I remember that place specifically, you know, just going in there and kind of being that asshole who was like, oh, hi, what do you have on tap? And they're like. Or a whiskey bar. Yeah. But if you're in, uh, it was a good place. If you're in, yeah, yeah. If you're in Portland, there's two places I'll recommend. If you're in Portland, uh, you got to go to David's. I don't know if it's still Mm. the same way, but um, a long time ago, at this point, it was probably like 12 years ago. Wow. 12 years ago? A really long time ago, um, they boasted the biggest uh, whiskey collection in. Portland and they had a menu that you could go through and shout out to Machek. I don't know where he's at or what he's doing these days. I think he left David's and went to Grace and then I don't know what happened after that. But um, Grace. Oh, we used to go that down? Yeah, that place was amazing. But I used to work in the bank across the street and uh a really close friend of mine who's no longer with us used to go in there uh with me all the time after work. Uh and uh Stephen Plummer, shout out to him as well. We would go in and we sit down at the bar and we always called it just going for one. But Machek, this bartender, would always have us try something new every time we came in. And it would range from like Johnny Walker, Red, all the way up to Booker's, which is uh, top shelf to, you know, various levels of scotch from 12 to 18 years, like all over the place. It was phenomenal. I'm sure there must be somewhere in town that has uh, a similar whiskey collection but if not gotta check out david's and then if you ever go into the boston area go to catalyst it's in cambridge uh it's really easy to get to but it is in one of the top three meals i've ever had but their bartenders and their whiskey collection are fantastic it's not a wall you're not moving around but they have a lot of really really good stuff they have some stuff that's specific just to them but their bartenders are really knowledgeable and they know like what they're doing and how to serve it. So that's another one I would put uh, on your, on your list. You got David's in Monument Square, Portland, and you have um, Catalyst in it's in technology square. So near like Novartis uh, in that general area, put both of them on your list. Mm-hmm. Post pandemic. Be doing a lot of traveling. Post pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Post pandemic. <laughs> even even when you get that vaccine, go ahead and wear that mask for, for just a little bit of time. We we want everyone to get out there and, and enjoy things. I, I know I'm. I, I know I might never have to wait in line again to get beers, but part of me kind of wants to go back and do it just to say that I did. <laughs> remember, remember when we all thought we were going to be quarantined for three weeks? Oh That's yeah, cute. we're going on <laughs> like twenty two weeks now, something like that, right? I mean, 34 yeah. years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's, yeah. I will be turning 34 this year. Oh, wait. I don't know. I don't know. I, I've lost track of time. Let's get into these games, Tim. Okay. We had the divisional round. Some people say this is the best weekend of football all year, and I have to be mm-hmm. honest. 
after watching all four of these games, I believe them. This was a fantastic weekend of football. Uh, and I'm going to start off the episode with a big fat L. Psych! <laughs> listen. Listen, Linda, listen. Rams-Packers. I said the, the Rams are going to get blown out here. And the Packers are going to win this game by a country mile. Okay, and I said, you know, Pack probably going to score like 35 points. Rams are going to score like 15 or 18. Packers 32. Rams 18. The only part of this game that was ever close was the first quarter. Both teams traded field goals. Then the second quarter, they wanted to trade some touchdowns. But ultimately, Green Bay goes up 19 to 10. Then in the third quarter, they both score a touchdown. It was in the fourth quarter that the dam finally broke. The proverbial back of the vaunted Rams defense was broken, smashed, obliterated. Insert synonym, right-click, figure out another word. It was amazing. And it was capped by a 58-yard strike that went for a touchdown to Al Lazard after he had dropped a potential touchdown pass earlier in the game. Rams' number one defense gives up 484 total yards. Aaron Rodgers didn't get sacked once. Aaron Donald didn't play more than half of this game. Jalen Ramsey didn't exactly stop Devontae Adams from doing his thing. And if you're a Seahawks fan, spoiler, I am. This game was a moral victory for you. <laughs> I, even though I wanted Seattle to, to face Green Bay, I'm under no preconceived notion that it's a number one de- defense could get rolled up on like that, that Seattle probably would have been rolled. But Seattle did lose to the same team last year by only five points. So there's been a lot of trash talk, okay? All these Rams players saying, oh, take your little division winner hats and caps and enjoy it in Cabo because we're going forward in the playoffs. You lasted seven more days. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear none of that. I don't want to hear nothing about how you're the number one defense, how you're the, the, the game changer. You got four or five people in that squad that are fantastic. And if, you, if we really do say all the time, like, like we're want to do, about stats don't matter, listen to some of these passing. This is just crazy. Alan Lazard. Eight targets, four receptions. 96 total yards. Long, 58. Devontae Adams, nine receptions. Ten targets. Seven and a half yards a clip. Robert Tanyan, four targets, four receptions. 15 yards a clip. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, averaging eight and a half yards a clip. Equimania St. Brown, one reception, 27 yards. Like, the, the Packers did essentially whatever they wanted in this game. And when you have a guy like Rodgers, who I think is probably going to be MVP, uh, I mean, he played it in this game and it it looked like it. Less than 300 passing yards by just a hair. Two touchdowns passing, one on the ground, no picks, no sacks. The Packers decided to run the ball with four different players and they just kept the pressure on. And at no point in this game did I ever think, even when it was 18 to 25, oh, the Rams are going to come back. Because the Rams have a ceiling. And that ceiling is scheme. Scheme will only take you so far in the sport of football. You can come up with all the whiz-bang plays that you want. But at the end of the day, you have to execute. It's sort of like how the, a lot of people have made the, the, the comments like, oh, Bill Belichick and the Patriots, like, you know, they're, they're just the same thing. Or Tom Brady's a system quarterback and he, he operates off rhythm and, and timing and he can't do anything. And if you want to win the game against him, you just hit him enough times. It seems like in order for you to confuse the Rams, you just have to throw a couple defensive schemes at them that they haven't seen recently. 
And it's like they're goldfish. They don't understand what's going on. And offensively, Jared Goff has never been like someone who's like really scared you. And this game was no different. I mean, <laughs> uh, like 140 passing yards. Cam Akers had almost that like on the ground by himself. Like, please, but go ahead and just talk all that shit, Rams, because you lost in the divisional round and you weren't division champions. So take that moral victory, go right to the bank where your check is going to get bounced. Insert Ric Flair voice. Woo! Now their defensive coordinator is a head coach on another team. Aaron Donald didn't play half this game because he was injured. So is he going to get surgery? Is there going to be some other stuff going on? Who knows? Jalen Ramsey, you gave up two first-round picks for that dude. You don't have a first-round pick this year. You also don't have a fourth-round pick this year. And if you didn't get compensatory picks because one of your coaches was hired out, if you didn't get that incentive, you'd be hurting. Oh, and by the way, the Rams are $22 million over the cap going into next year where the cap is projected to fall. So here's what the Rams' success plan has been. Go all in on AD, Jalen, Jared Goff, Cooper Cup. Oh, Cam Akers hit? Oh, that's great. It's going to be wicked tough for them to compete going forward. And even, I, I, I see $22 million over the cap. Even though the Packers are also $22 million over the cap, I find that they're probably going to come under that number just a little bit. There's always plenty of salary cap wizardry that's afoot. They got clapped. The Rams got clapped, okay? All that number one defense bullshit got them clapped when they ran into a buzzsaw. I'm happy about it. Packers fans are happy about it. If there was a team like the Packers that was 13-3 and in back-to-back seasons, you would think they would go to the Super Bowl both times. The way it's trending, I do believe that the Packers are going to make the Super Bowl, and I believe that the Packers are probably going to have an MVP in Aaron Rodgers because whether last season they looked like paper tires now they look like actual Tigers and like they're mauling teams. And look, I can recognize a good thing when I see it. And I would rather have an NFC team that's stacked and is going to show up in the Super Bowl than one like the Rams who schemes their way into the big game and scores a whole bunch of three points because their offensive genius can't do it. That's what happens. Scheme gives you a ceiling. It sets the expectation. It allows you to run some teams who are not prepared off the field because they don't have your conditioning. But just like Chip Kelly and all this bullshit a few years back, you can run 83 plays a game, but eventually a team is going to find a way to slow you down and they're going to pick you apart. And when you can't fall back on the fundamentals, you fall apart. That's what happened to the Rams. Very happy about it. Hashtag go pack go. <laughs> For another week. <laughs> Maybe not. We'll see. <clears throat> All right. Um, I had the Ravens-Bills game, and I had said last week that the Bills, they're just a machine on the warpath. They've kind of figured it out. We thought the Ravens had kind of started to figure their way, and this would be a decent matchup. But go down Lamar, you run away with this one. Go down Lamar, you run away with this one was my exact wording. Lamar was held to 14 completions in 34 yards. That is the definition of slowing down Lamar. The only other way you could slow him down was if you were to cause some sort of play for him to be removed from the game. But we'll get into that later. 
Uh, plenty of conversation to be had regarding how effective Lamar has been overall. He doesn't seem to have the arm as of late. And you take his legs out of the game, and it's an entirely different ball game. The Bills didn't exactly run away with this game, though. In fact, nobody really did. For the first two quarters in the game, there was a total of six points scored. It was tied going crazy. into the half. It was, that was crazy. Yeah. The Ravens' defense attempted to keep him in the game, but, man, like I said, the Bills are just a machine. It's their eighth straight win in 14 that used to have to, the catchphrase, boy, love losing Super Bowls as far back as the 90s. They're continuing to power their way through some pretty big games. I honestly didn't think the Ravens were going to be that big of a matchup. I think the Ravens were overachieving going into the tail end of the season because people weren't properly scheming against Lamar as the like fourth or fifth running back on their roster because that's unfortunately all he has been. Because this was an Allen's best performance either, and he only had 260 yards in total. He had three rushing yards. In fact, without the 101-yard pick six by Taron Johnson in the red zone, this easily could have been a completely different look. That would have brought the game within a touchdown of each other. And if if Lamar hadn't thrown that pick and they scored, we could have been potentially looking at, you know, overtime or, you know, something coming down to the wire because that would have put uh that would have put the Ravens up. So it's weird, weird, weird game. If anybody thought that this was going to be a defensive matchup and like an old school defensive game, uh, I would have called you a liar and nobody would have predicted that. You would have thought one of the two teams, I never would have thought the Ravens would have gone off offensively, but I did think it would be difficult to game plan against as teams have shown already. But you thought Allen was going to come out and find ways to to make more moves than he did, and he just didn't. What was what was just interesting in general is that nobody was able to convert third downs that combined the two teams were 11 for 30 and 0 and 2 on fourth down tries. And those are both on the Baltimore side late in the game. So those kind of are what they are. But <clears throat> Stefan Diggs went for another 100 yards. He had a touchdown. He's the first player to do that in postseason for the Bills since the mid 90s. But another big shocker for this one was the just complete lack of ground game on either side, but particularly for Buffalo. They had a combined total of 32 yards. All in. All in. Zach Moss was sidelined in the wild card game, so we thought Devin Singletary was going to be that dude who stepped up and kind of ran the ball all over the place. Uh, that, that just that did not happen. I mean, it may have if they kept trying to feed him the ball, but he only had seven attempts of the 16 total for the entire team. Uh, the quarterback, Allen, had seven of the remaining. So it it was weird. He only got three yards on the day. The game itself was just an ugly one for every in every facet of offense, but more importantly for the Raven side, the sort of cap or cherry on top or icing on the cake, however you want to classify it was Lamar scrambling to uh, recover an errant hike that went past him and in doing so like threw it as he was falling into the end zone it ended up in a safety but he also went out with a concussion because he smashed his head off of the uh, the ground in the end zone uh, which forced him to bring in Tyler Huntley who did show a couple flashes he did look like he had some Jackson type flair 
for a few a few of those possessions, but the Bills defense was just smothering the offense completely. Um, yeah. Can we talk about one thing here? Um, I, I'm hold on, I'm gonna let you finish, but yeah, uh, yeah the yeah. Bills defense had one of the best interception returns of all time. Okay, uh, 101 yards, like tied NFL record, and every Ravens player failed to tackle that cornerback and bring him to the yeah. ground. Every single one of them. Um, yeah. Embarrassed. It was the first time Lamar has thrown a pick in the red zone in like, I don't even know, eight playoff appearances or, or oh eight, eight playoff goodness. games or something crazy like that. I don't even know what the, the stat was, but he it was the first time in a red zone in forever he's thrown one. What was it? Uh, oh, no, that was actually the first ever interception of Lamar Jackson in the red zone. That's crazy. Typically, it's because Lamar runs. He doesn't usually throw in the red zone. But still, to give up the only interception and have it be returned 101 yards and ultimately end up being the one that kind of ran away with the game, without that one, you're looking at a tied ball game. Yep. Um, yep. But something else I've said over and over and over all season, I've talked about it with you. I've talked about it with everybody at my – uh, place of employment who uh, enjoys sports and may or may not discuss sports on a regular day, uh, the longevity of mobile quarterbacks and what these hits are starting to take because the defensive players are faster, they're stronger. Even the linemen are starting to run 440s like some slower running backs. It's insane. And we got to see some of that in full display over the weekend because it in some of the events that took place, it arguably killed the chance for the Ravens comeback. And in another game we're going to talk about here in just a second, we saw another quarterback go down. And if it wasn't the heroic play of the backup quarterback that came in, the outcome of that game would have been drastically different. Um, There was some crazy plays. He came in for a guy. I don't think who's ever taken a snap in the postseason. Uh, He came out and looked like a veteran. Um, He's got to start wondering, at what point do you put all your chips in the QB basket and then let them run as much as these guys do? Because Casey really dodged a bullet this weekend. Uh, obviously, the Ravens did not. They're you know that that's in my opinion the reason they lost that game, or at least what set them up for failing to come back was losing your starting quarterback, even if he can't throw the ball anymore. But KC, man. Really, really dodged a bullet, which is what Sam's about to break down for us here. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, I, I got to say one last thing about this. Lamar is shaking the, the, the monk out of his back. He's won a playoff game. He's learned a lot of hard lessons. The team learned a lot of hard lessons. You can't just throw out to Mark Andrews and, and try to run it and, and, you know what I mean, have like two trick ponies. Like teams will eventually figure it out. The Bills did what they needed to do to win this game. Like you said, the 101-yard return, a lot of those things just take the, the wind out of a team's sails, break their backs. Just yep. like the 58-yard strike in the fourth quarter from Rodgers to Lazard. I love the fact that Bill's Mafia has always been regarded mm-hmm. as a whole bunch mm-hmm. of drunks, a whole bunch of crazy people, yet no one saves their money like Bill's Mafia. Because every time there's a charitable cause, Bill's Mafia just donates millions of dollars like they – are they sitting on Fort Knox? Like, where the gold? Like, where are they getting all this money from? I don't know. But I'm saying every time they want to donate to a cause, they get it done. And they were no different this time. And they donated to 
Lamar's um, charity, like hundreds of thousands of dollars, just like yeah, within twenty four yeah. hours. Like it's, uh, it's hard to really get a great call. I'm glad. It is. It is getting increasingly hard to root against the Bills. Uh, the Browns are the same way. You found yourself kind of pulling for them, which we'll talk about in a second. But uh, part of me wonders if I'm putting, you know, skeptical Tim eyes on here. Uh, how much of this is just sort of like karma, equity for all the crazy stuff that goes on in some of those pregame tailgates? Because uh, some of those people need Jesus, and if your way of saving your soul is by donating to charitable causes, then I am <laughs> all for it. I'm all for it. Like, if the reputation you have as a fan base is how crazy, destructive, and just out of this world you are, and your redeeming quality is the fact that every time a opposing quarterback or something happens, you're able to rally around them, that's fantastic. Whatever it takes, I'm here for it. Uh, get all the get all the good karma you can now, because once those tailgates uh, get back, I, I'm, you guys are still decades and decades in the hole when it comes to uh, <laughs> karma. Um, but but no, it's it was a cool story. No, I don't want to take anything away from them. Every time this is like the third or fourth time they've done it this season. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen a bunch of journalists across the the sports sphere reposting, you know, some of the tweets they've seen where, you know, get well Lamar, the league's better with him. And then spreading the word to donate towards his cause is just, it's a very, very, very cool thing to do. And I know it goes sort of against the stigma of Bill's fandom, but yeah. Shout out to them. Shout I'm, out I'm giving them. you a hard time in, in jest, but uh, well, of course, no, what you guys are doing is great. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Kansas City Chiefs at them Cleveland mm-hmm. Browns. First time making the postseason in 25 years. First time with a winning season like that in uh, a lot more years, right? And uh, I said Chiefs easily. I think they could score 35 or 38 points. And we put a four-pack bet on it. Okay. They didn't score 35 points. Uh, but I did I did win this four-pack bet. So, hola, Tim. It's me, your local IPA fan. I'll be patiently waiting for that four-pack of choice uh, for you off of this bet. They didn't score 50 points, but I think that has to do with the fact that, as you mentioned earlier, Patrick Mahomes sustained a pretty, I would say, heinous-looking injury in this game where I think a lot of people watched the game and were like, wow, like that looked terrible. Um, he got tackled in a run play, got yanked down to the ground, was completely out of it. And you like the thing that makes watching football in high definition so great is that we're all these, these, uh, these, <laughs> these couch officials Oh, he was down. That might not be the line of the game. He's short. And then you see as much detail as when someone's knees go down as when someone's head bounces off the turf and their eyes just kind of zone out and they don't know where they are. And if you're watching it live or you're recording the game, there's nothing that's really more terrifying than seeing that because you're watching someone who you appreciate the skill that they have and what they're doing and they look like they're, they're limp on the field. Um, and it's never something you want to see. Um, and it seems like every season there's one of those holy shit moments with an injury. And this season happened to be Patrick Mahomes. Um, he wasn't able to get up under his own power. He had to be lifted to the sideline by uh, his teammates. And, of course, he was being evaluated for concussion almost immediately. He was able to run to the locker room under his own power. And there's been reports that he's progressing through the NFL's concussion protocol. 
and there's a chance he might practice. <laughs> but I have real quick, real yeah. quick before we get into that, like two two things. One, I must have watched that play like twenty times because I rewound it all to show Kyle. I never saw his head actually hit the ground. What it looked like to me is you, you'll hear boxers talk about this is that the knockout doesn't always come from the the concussion or the or your brain being concussed and turning the lights out. Sometimes your neck has a point in which it will turn to the left or the right, where once it goes beyond that point, the lights shut out. And that's when you get knockouts. So that's why you see some of these big time boxing matches result in a boxer going down not because he took one to the temple or, but because he gets hit in the jaw and you see the way it quickly tweaks his neck and then they go down. And to me that, that, that kind of looked like it wasn't a dirty play at all. It was just the way he went to tackle. They both went down and he kind of fell down, but I, and I could have missed, there may have been a replay there that I, that I didn't see where his head actually hit the ground. But to me, it literally looked like his neck kind of hit that point that boxer seal out where it was just lights out for your body to like, all right, let's shut ourselves down and go into limp mode here to save whatever damage to our ligaments we have. But the other thing, if he comes back and plays this game after looking the way he did on that field, I'm seriously questioning the authenticity of the concussion protocol and the player safety measures because that man could not stand yeah. on his own feet and looked completely confused going off to the bench and to say he somehow cleared these protocols, which other players at other points of the season seem to be out a week or two or longer. And suddenly your all-star money-making top QB is out for three days and suddenly, no, 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 he's, he's fine. He passed, yeah, he passed all these tests. Yeah, it's it's a it's a fair it's a fair mm. question. There there are too many instances where the concussion protocol is not equal uh, across the whole range, mm-hmm. and um, they for what it's worth, they were saying during the game that Patrick passed all of the concussion protocol tests via the independent neurologist. But we know with concussions, these things show up; they're not all the same. You don't just like it's not like a cold; you don't get it and you have symptoms, and then a couple of days later you're fine. Um, in concussions and other traumatic brain injuries, they could take a couple of days to show symptoms. So he's got to progress through this week, even if he, um, you know, practices a little bit and he he starts I mean, to he show he get put back in the, the protocol. So, but he didn't have a concussion yet. He didn't put. They didn't allow him to come back into the game. Well, yeah, but it's like kind of, he paid half a billion dollars for a player, and you just watch his neck get ripped out almost or you know, tweak that way. And then he couldn't even stand on his own power. You're not putting him back in the game, and which, which kind of goes into what I was yeah. the, the, the recap that I'm going to give you for this game here. Okay. Mm-hmm. That I've said all season, the chiefs just have a way to put in that extra gear, but because they can go to that extra gear up, they also have a way to, to gear down. Right. And then be that car that's on the road. That's in third gear, bogging down. And you can't go around them because they take up too much of the road and you're really pissed at them. That's kind of how this game happened. The Chiefs were really kind of flying. Mahomes rushed for a touchdown. He tossed another 20-yard strike to Kelsey. Uh, and by the way, if you're uh, a fan of fantasy football and you don't want to get caught up in the running back you know, menagerie that's going to happen next year, do yourself a favor. And if you pick 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, or 10, go ahead and draft Travis Kelsey in the first round because you're going to get your return on investment there. The guy is just an, an absolute 
machine. I think the bigger question we have to ask here is, even though this game ended 22-17, to how different would this game have looked if Harrison Bucker didn't miss a field goal and an extra point? Because those extra four points have made it 26-17, to and it probably would have been a respectable game. Maybe Chad Henney wouldn't have needed to come in and provide as many heroics. But I said in last week's episode that the Chiefs always do some stuff like, oh, let's find a play from 1908 that no one's seen, and we'll just run it. And that's what they did in this game. They said, oh, it's fourth and one. We know 400 previous NFL teams have never thrown a fourth and one at this point in the game, but we're going to do it. Everyone, the coaches, the announcers, Tony Romo and Jim Nance said, there's no way they're going to throw on fourth and one. Less than two minutes to go. Chad Henney, fourth and one. Drops back, like shotgun pass, like drops back. Like you're thinking, oh my God, if the Browns get there, it's going to be a huge sack. They're going to be in prime territory. Like the Chiefs could actually lose this game. He just lops it over the defense. Hits Tyreek Hill. Hill goes five, six yards, stays in bounds. They run out the clock. They win this game 22-17. If you just look at the box score, you just think, oh, man, the, the Browns had a chance here. This is the problem with that. Jarvis Landry. Part of the one-two combo punch with him and Odell Beckham. OBJ is not there anymore. So you would think that, that Jarvis has to carry the load. Tim, if I told you he had seven targets, uh, sorry, 10 targets and seven receptions, how many yards do you think he would have? Mm, I'll let you go ahead because I watched this game with you. 20. He had 20 yards. He totaled 20 yards and seven receptions, 2.9 average. Like, that's not, that's not what you have, like, your number one wide receiver to do, like, at some point, like you cannot continue to pepper this dude with targets because the defense is on to him. And it's like at no point in time did I ever really feel, even with Chad Henney coming in, tossing a pick and only 66 yards, at no point did I really think that the Chiefs were in absolute danger of losing this game. It came a little close in the third when Mahomes went out with, with that injury. But to be honest, the Chiefs just said, here's what we got to do. We got to go ahead and bog it down, and we have to stop them from getting to the edge. They stopped the Cleveland running game from really kind of getting out of hand. And they had two 100-yard receivers in the game. The Chiefs did. So they were able to, to kind of keep the pressure on. The run game was okay. I think some of the best post-game content was Darrell Williams kind of getting after Skip Bayless and his mentions. I always love when people on Twitter are like, if you're going to come up with some stupid fire take about an NFL player and you don't tag him, this is not 1997. People are going to tag that person in the replies and say, oh, at Timmy Cronin, did you see that Sam Smith just said this about you? And then you're going to get the notification because it's going to blow up. It's going to go viral. You're going to get on and you're going to be like, what is this dude talking about? What is he smoking? What, what, what hype does he create for himself? And that's exactly what happened. Skip Bayless says a lot of stuff. Some of it he can back up. Some of it he can't. But him getting Derek Williams 50-yard dash time wrong, 40-yard dash, and then saying he was undrafted like, Oh, this dude's a nobody. Why? Why are the Browns letting him run through this uh, through this team? And then Williams and a lot of other players in the Chiefs chimed in, and it was fantastic. If on social media, everything you say, you should expect to get the smoke for everything, absolutely yep. everything. Double check, think before you tweet, and just like don't be putting that stuff out there, and just tag the players in it. Come on now, but. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I actually think this one might have had a chance. 
to be a little bit closer because one of the things you haven't mentioned yet is that awful, awful call with a fumble on the two-yard line, which, one, could have easily been a helmet-to-helmet, but Mm. it's also one of the worst rules in the NFL where if you fumble... Isn't there a competition committee who isn't, is it reviewable? Isn't there a competition committee who can make changes to those rules and they've never done that? You know why I would not even go on the the, record? It's it's literally after the season. You know why I would never even go. It it needs to be, it needs to be discussed because the No, it doesn't because Seattle Seattle Seahawks did it twice to the Rams and they won both of those games. Oh my God. Hey. The Browns lost by five points, and they had seven points taken from them because they they that was a blown that the helmet, to helmet is not reviewable. Huh? They still would have lost no, by two. That would have been a touch. No, 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 no. They had a touchdown taken away from them because there was a missed helmet to helmet call that resulted in a fumble on the two yard line that brought the ball back to the twenty that let Kansas City go down and score more points. If they didn't, they would have scored those seven points, and we would have been looking at a 24, I don't know, 24-19 game, or, you know, you never know how that's going to change the dynamic of the game. Yeah, you but know that you know that player giving him seven done? points going into the, uh, what, not get his he- temple smashed in from no. the crown of another player's helmet? No, th- th- I, I would never advocate for that. I do think that those those types of hits have to be – like the fact that it's not reviewable is is kind of laughable, but it's not a good thing to laugh about because it's like that's that's a serious thing. Like you want to talk about he, taking he was the extending head out of the for tackle. the yeah, but this is the he thing. He was extending for the pylon when Damn, you and I both the, know. Literally, you and I both know. You and I both know that there are there are different ways where teams have scored touchdowns this year where they barely get the nose of the football beyond the plane. And it's a touchdown. They don't control it, and then other teams mm-hmm. get beyond the plane. They get to the ground. They don't control it, and they're like, oh, it's not a touchdown. Like the NFL has to come up with a much better policy on that. If you don't change that rule, you're not going to change the touchback rule where if, if you fumble out of bounds, it's, it's going to go back the other way. I can understand your frustration. I made the joke about the, the Seahawks because they've successfully forced two teams uh, into making that mistake. And I mean, they still lost either game. So I mean, whatever that doesn't exactly help, but you can't just talk about changing the rule and then be like, Oh, well, you know, if he didn't get helmet to helmet in, no, like, no. You know, he, he would have scored a touchdown. No, like no, I'm not that. We don't really necessarily no, know that. I no, I said there were two things that happened on the play. I said one, a terrible missed call by the literally it was leading with the crown. It was a helmet to helmet that should have been called, but that's not reviewable for whatever reason. And then I said the second thing was the worst rule currently in the NFL where if you fumble that close and it results in a touchback, it's a turnover. They should like give you the ball back. Let's negate the the fumbling why, why would I give you turnover. The, why would I give you the ball back if you fumble out of bounds? Nonsense. Why would I do that? Why should you get the ball if I fumble if the ball? If you can't on hold on to the ball, why should I give you the ball back? Why should I give you another crack at it? it what, what onus is there because for you to you not didn't fumble gain, the ball out and get another gain shot? Gain stop the clock. You didn't gain. You didn't gain possession of the ball. You literally, like, it literally went through You're, the end zone and out of bounds. Like it. And there was the, there was it, a, there was a Browns it. player. There was a Browns player who was there who made last contact with it and pushed it out of bounds. He could have attempted to at least toe drag swag, bring the ball in, make something out of it, but he didn't. Okay. So if he if he touched the ball and brought it inbounds, it would have been a touchdown. But if he didn't, it went out of bounds. It should be Wait, like, okay. 
You, you didn't complete it. But again, and it was already again, dead once it hit the ground. Again, we're not we're not talking about that. I'm I'm talking about the missed helmet to helmet, and that's the fact that that's not reviewable, and likely the part of the reason he fumbled. Dude, the guy literally dove in like a torpedo with a crown of his helmet first and smashed directly into the side of his helmet. Like, how many times did we... Mahomes, his neck got racked and he dropped the ball. Thankfully, mm-hmm. he was down by the time to time it, it came out. But the the fumbling out of bounds is a terrible call. Uh, the fumbling at the point of the goal line and the fact that it went in unrecovered and ultimately became a touchback is... First of all, it's just bizarre that that's what they decided the rule was going to be. The other team gets the ball and on the 20-yard line. They should get it on the There's goal a line or something. It's they bizarre, can change but... that rule if they want to. That's fine. That's but fine, they, but that's not what it. we're talking about right now. We're saying it's a stupid rule. But the missed call, the helmet-to-helmet, should have negated the fumble completely. Completely. Even if they called it, I don't, they could have called it like back where the play originally started, plus the 15-yard, whatever they wanted to do because the ball got fumbled, that was a bad call. That was a really, really easy call they could have made, which would have drastically changed the look of this game and probably would have put the Browns on top in which they would have won this game because it's less than a seven-point difference. They would have won this game. I mean, Rashad Higgins, 88 yards, probably a sleeper dynasty fantasy pick going forward. But, like, the Browns did not necessarily have enough firepower I got to give the Browns credit. They didn't flinch. They were facing the Chiefs. They had just taken down the They lost the game by five points. They really lost the game by more than that. Let me guess. Let me guess. It was because it was because the Chiefs took their foot off. They lost by five points. Absolutely not. Five points. That's less than a touchdown. They they went down to a lower gear. Did you not hear my monologue at the beginning? Come on, Tim. Look, we're going to agree. Every time time your team wins, somehow they take their foot off the gas when it's a close game. And I'm noticing this trend. Every single time your teams win, it's like, oh, it's because they took their foot off the gas. No, that's that's not the case. The the Chiefs definitely had something else here, um, and they were able to obviously put the Gajones in the line when it it needed to happen. But the Browns, look, you're not going to change my mind on the whole – fumbling outside the back of the end zone because I absolutely hate the rule that the ball just has to cross the plane and that's it. Because you see too many of these quarterback dives where they just put the ball just like barely over the line and then it's a touchdown. No, you should have to get into the end zone and then control all the way to the ground. You want to talk about rules? That's the rule that should be made. Now, this is also the other thing. For this targeting and ejecting, they, they need to make that much more stringent, 100%. I don't, I don't have any recourse to say Daniel Sorensen wasn't looking like a missile for that dude, okay? Because, like you mentioned, crown of helmet to another crown of helmet it looked like it was initiated that way. I don't like this whole "we'll give you a warning, then we'll eject you." It needs hmm. to be, oh Tim, you live with the crown of your helmet, you're gone. It's not reviewable, right? You want to make all these other rules you think are bullshit and it's not reviewable? Go ahead, and the next time. If you don't tackle the right way, rugby style, or you lead and your head gets there before your shoulder does, you're gone. If it's, if it's an egregious hit, that's what should happen. Unfortunately, the NFL is not wanting to do that because they want competition or maybe they don't care about player safety. I'm not really sure what the reason is, but you're not going to convince me otherwise. I, I think that the, there was a missed call for sure. I also don't think that just because you decide to lay out for the end zone that you should be treated as you know, bubble boy. That, that to me is just a little weird. 
You, you're putting you're putting oh everything. Oh my god! There. You're, you're conflating yeah. like multiple things. You're no, no, you're trying like, to compare. You're trying to put it out there the whole you're way. You're trying to, to get the ball out there, and then Sorensen came in like a missile and hit him. You you can't say that you know running quarterbacks they take all these hits, but then like oh he's a he's a wide receiver like oh he's afforded more protections like that's conflating. It doesn't it doesn't really happen the, the same way there. You're trying to say you're trying to argue the difference between like no what's the thickness of the goal line like five inches call it six inches you're arguing six inches you're arguing six inches versus a complete turnover instead of the ball being is that the place where it was fouled out of bounds do thirty two teams not have the option to petition it is there not a competition committee that can change it. Yes, there the is. The fact that I you're on, you're benefiting oh. on, you're on the beneficiary side of this call more than once is why you're biased. It's a shitty rule, and you can admit that it's a shitty rule. But also, the so fact what's that your counterproposal? What what would you say is the thing that you want to do to to make that rule better? What are you going to do? Oh, you fumbled out of bounds, which give you the ball back. Does that does that make it? That's a competitive advantage because you stop the clock and they get another shot. A hundred yards of the field. If you fumble it out of bounds, you get the ball back where it went out of bounds. You should get the ball on the goal line. You shouldn't get a touchdown out of it. You should get a, or at the point in which you fumbled, there's plenty of instances where the rules change within like five yards of the end zone. This could be one of those where if you fumble it within five yards of the end zone and it goes in the end zone or out of bounds through the end zone, you get the ball at the point of the, at the point of the fumble, that would be so easy no, to institute. No, it because then I would get to five yards within the end zone. And I would just, oh, I fumbled. Oh, I, I guess I can get the ball back. Versus what? Versus what? Versus I didn't hold on to the football. That doesn't make any sense. I made a terrible decision when I when I leapt for the goal line and I fumbled out of bounds. So now I penalize my team to go back. But what's the no? But what is the what would be the benefit of purposely trying to fumble it? Because you run the risk of fumbling it into the opposing team's hands in which they will yeah. pick it up and get a touchback. You do, but again, you would stop the clock, and then if you just return the ball to the spot of the fumble, you're giving them essentially... So, it, so what you're proposing picks. is that... Okay, then what's the difference between players running to the sideline, fumbling, and throwing the ball out of bounds? I don't like that rule time? either. Nothing. I don't like that rule either. Oh, but we can't we can't talk about what rules we don't and don't like, because all 32 teams abide by those rules. We're talking about the end zone. Let's talk about the fumble, the 96 no, previous I'm comparing, I'm comparing all of the field at any other point, if you run to the sideline and you fumble and you throw it out of bounds, what's the difference between you going for a touchdown and you fumbling it through the end zone, which should be considered out of bounds because you didn't cross the plane. That's the, it's the same thing, except one of them carries a bigger risk because you try to purposely fumble it through the end zone. Yeah. You want a much higher it risk than the opposing team catching and getting a touchback. Instead of giving the ball to the other team. You try and hold the ball while someone's smashing in your temple and your earlobe with the crown of their helmet. I would Come agree. On. But this the, like the, this the, the, fact that, it's, the fact that the NFL was like, oh, helmet-to-helmet contact is not reviewable on a, on a touchback, like that's the NFL's problem. And there are 32 teams who can argue that. So we can go back and forth oh about God. that. All if, this the Saints, if this was the Saints, you'd go on for a 20-minute rant about how it was a bullshit call and how well, I mean, let's not you know, pretend here they, that you wouldn't. They, they get fucking I'm, smacked. You know what I mean? Like, all, I'm saying, all, I'm saying, all I'm saying, remove the touchback rule aside, which everyone, the announcers, everyone agreed was the dumbest rule currently in football. The, the fact that they it. completely... 
it's it's not the announcers you and I's position to change it. You have a million people who have other reasons not to change it. Anyway, my point, my point is the missed helmet to helmet was so that wouldn't have that wouldn't have made the Browns winning this game. It wouldn't have made the Browns winning this game because I could say the it helmet to helmet. would have given them the ball the on the two-yard line. Yanking. That doesn't mean they, they would have given them the ball on the two-yard line. They would have, no, but they wouldn't have turned the ball over and let Kansas City march down and score. Fair? Can, uh, Cleveland went into the half with only three points when they could have had ten points, which would have put this game at a six-point difference coming out of the mm-hmm. half. Like it would have made a difference because they only scored from the second quarter on. They only scored three more points. The Chiefs only scored three more points. Yeah. The Browns scored two more touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Two more touchdowns. And one of those field goals for uh for Kansas City came off of the turnover that let them march down fields from the twenty yard line and kick a field goal. So take that swing. Seven points, remove three points from Kansas City. It's a very different looking game and a game that was only won by five points. It's not that far out of the realm of possibility to say the Browns could have won this game. I personally think they got robbed of a touchdown. I won't say they got robbed of the game because you never know what happens after, you know, the butterfly effect. They went down, scored a touchdown. It changed the whole dynamic of the game. So to say they got robbed of the game, I won't go that far. I will say they got robbed of a touchdown, which could have changed the look and maybe the outcome of the game. But yeah, remove remove the fumbling out of bounds, remove the fumbling through the end zone. I can't believe they didn't bother to call that a helmet to helmet. I also don't understand why NFL players who get fined hundreds of thousands of dollars get ejected from games. Everybody who's ever learned to play football is taught when you tackle when you are a kid. It's helmet up, center of chest, go. But you still see guys going in like Ace Ventura as a dolphin, just diving <laughs> headfirst into people. Like uh, if he had dove in with both of his arms up to like make himself more of a mass, he would have done more to cause him to go out of bounds than literally just his helmet. Like the point of contact is yeah, I don't know. That's a whole other argument or conversation we'll have for another day. The fact that we can't have a conversation here. Well, I'm I'm talking about tackling and how the oh, NFL yeah. seems to have completely forgotten. Well, I know you don't hear tackle this, in any capacity. Yeah, there's there's one team in the NFL who teaches the right way to tackle. Spoiler alert! I'm going to tell you who it is. But anyways, look, let's talk about the Browns. Should here, we okay? look up how many times they've been ejected for helmet to helmets? Because I'm sure they're on that list. So let's get out of town. All here. 32 teams are on that list. Okay, look, let's give the Browns credit where it's due. Okay, they didn't flinch when facing the yep. Chiefs. Uh, Baker's lone interception of this game came to Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger. Many quarterbacks are guilty of throwing an ill-advised interception to the Honey Badger. He's just so good. So I don't really hold it against Baker. Mm-hmm. We made jokes all season long. Browns, quarterback, more commercials than they got wins. What's going on with that? The Browns mm-hmm. completely changed the culture this year, 100%. Winning season, made it to the playoffs. This team feels different now. They're aggressive, and I think that this is going to be the – the team to watch, maybe, I mean, could they make the divisional playoffs, the divisional round of the playoffs next year? I think they could. Could they win the division? I think they could. Like, this team is different now. They're markedly different. They were like, oh, you have all these first-round picks. 
you, you lost talent, but you can't strike it together. Whatever Stefanski has done, it's changed this team's tone, this team's culture, this team's underlying identity. And look, they attempted to keep this game close. And you have a couple mistakes either way, and this game could have gone differently. I think we're going to see the, the Browns a lot more in primetime next season. And I think that when teams see the Browns on their schedule, they're not going to necessarily say, oh, that's a dub. We're going to win that game. Because it's not really a given anymore. This team has proven to you that they're able to play with the adults. They're an adult. They're at that table. They're not at the kids' table anymore. Put some respect on our name. We're going to go ahead and knock you around. They were very, very primed for an upset in this game, for sure. And I dare say, had it come against a team like the Ravens, they probably would have won that game. And they would be looking at an AFC championship against maybe a team like the Chiefs or the Bills. Unfortunately, the way the cards played out this year, they got the Chiefs in the, in the divisional round. And, you know, sometimes when you come for the champ, you have to go ahead and throw everything you can out there. And, you know, there's a couple mistakes. There's some things that happened and you lose the game. Mm-hmm. I think that the rule can be changed. I think the rule should be changed. I think the rule should be more stringent for helmet to helmet contact for sure. But that's something that, like, I don't think necessarily was the part that, that sort of kind of gave this game away. Keep in mind, through all the success they've had, this has been without OBJ as well, which is and, and their head coach was even great. like you know coaching in the wild card round, which is insane. Like this team has dealt yeah. with so much, like it, like for so many years, years, years that I've been like watching football. I've seen the Browns on like on the, on the schedule against the Seahawks or another team. I'm like, oh, they're gonna lose that game. The, the Browns are gonna lose yeah. that game. And the Browns have completely turned it around. They're not that team anymore. They're they're a very very different organization, and that, that's that's huge. You know, like they they make the postseason. Would it have been great if they were that Cinderella story to make it all the way to the Super Bowl? Of course. But I think like when you look at those wild card teams that made it to the Super Bowl, they had a lot going for them. They had a lot of talent. They had a lot of luck that broke their way. And in this game, the luck didn't really break the way of the Browns. You know, so it's unfortunate, but. It's still a great game. They have a lot to learn from, and yeah, this yeah. game will, will be very big for the resolve of the team going forward. Uh, hold on. i got to stretch from all this winning. Hold on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, can't, you can't just <laughs> – you can't just like talk about all this winning because I know you're talking about Tom Brady, but he's not your he's not your quarterback anymore. So no, 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 no. I mean, I mean, in my in my completely accurate a hundred percent of the time picks like they are. No, no, this is this isn't me uh, repping the Tom Brady camp. Um, he does he does a lot of that on his own. Um, I do find myself rooting for Tampa. It's weird because I have like this split sort of like energy to expel into football now that the Patriots are out where I find myself rooting for the the Browns, the Bills and Tampa, which is bizarre. Um, unless you play fantasy football, you don't know what it's like to have to root for multiple teams during the season. Cause you're not necessarily rooting for the teams. You're rooting for the players, but they change every week. Once the playoffs happen and you find yourself out of fantasy, like I find myself uh, you find yourself just picking teams to latch on to, so you have a reason to watch every weekend because sports are one of those you gotta you gotta root for someone. My son usually picks whatever team I'm rooting against, unless the Patriots are playing, which is 
yes. fine by me and makes him it makes him interesting. But he's a he is a Pats fan, so go go him. Um funny story, his name is Brady, and we almost didn't name him Brady because we didn't want the name association between Tom Brady, me living in New England, being a sports fan, and our son. Because believe it or not, the two aren't named after each other. I wanted kind of an Irish sounding name, my whole family. I'm Timothy Patrick, my brother's uh, William John. It's just this whole thing. Like everybody, my dad, John Michael Cronin, it just goes on and on and on. So we're like, oh, we'll go with Patrick. And what's his first name? And it came down to a couple names. Um, and then Brady ended up being the one we liked the most. And we went back and forth. Do you want to name him Brady? Because you're forever going to be associated with Tom Brady. And I said, <laughs> no, because in like three or four years, Brady will be retired. And when our son is like 10 or 15 years old, are we going to be bummed that we didn't stick with Brady because we liked it so much? We're like, you know what? Brady's going to retire soon. Let's go with Brady. My son turns six this year. And Tom Brady is still playing. So now it's looking more and more like I did it on purpose. And here's <laughs> here's all the like crazy coincidences that have happened. One of them, I'm not sure if it's true. But supposedly Tom Brady has two middle names, and one of them is also Patrick. Patrick is my middle name, which is where my son oh, got boy. it. He was born October 12th, so they have 12 and 12. And when we moved to Connecticut, the first street we lived on was Gillette. So, oh. like, all of these weird coincidences. Like, I purposely avoided buying him any jerseys because I didn't – I purposely avoided any – because I hear it all the time. In fact, we were at a, we were at a lake a couple summers ago, and I'm out in the water with my son. He's swimming around, and here's someone say, like, hey, Brody, cut it out. And I turn around and look. I'm like, who the hell is yelling at my kid? And I look <laughs> over, and it's this guy – I'm like, hey, sorry, what was that? And he's like, oh, sorry, I'm just telling my kid. I'm like, oh, okay, my son's Brady. I, I was, I wasn't sure my son was doing something wrong. He's like, oh. So we start talking. He's like, you name yourself that? You name him after Brady? I'm like, no, no, I'm a big sports fan. But we, we had a long conversation about not doing that. I was like, you? He's like, oh yeah, I got another son named Edelman. I was like, seriously? He goes, no, <laughs> no, not here. But he had That's like, really good right there. Let's be honest about yeah. that. <laughs> but he had like, he had like, he had uh, on his calf, he had like the, the Patriots logo on his arm. He had uh, uh, like the Lombardi trophy and like all that. So he was like all in. And I was like, oh my God, this is what people think of me when they, when they hear my son's name. So here's what you should have done. You should have named your son after the two brothers who were tired of the crime overrun the streets of Boston, Irish Catholic twin brothers, Connor and Murphy, inspired by their faith <laughs> to cleanse their hometown of evil with their own brand of zealous vigilante justice. You should have just named your son Boondock. That's what you should have done, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny. Is no matter what name we went with, people have been like, oh, you're a sports fan because, uh, Brady was one, and number two was Emmett. Oh, that, that, I mean, either one of those are, are dope names anyway, so. Yeah. Yeah, so we we told our – pro tip, don't ever tell your friends about uh, your kids' names because if they have more children than you do, they might steal it. <laughs> like, Sam, what are you going to name you your, you name your son? Uh, Taco. Taco? <laughs> yeah, Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday Smith. That's one name. <laughs> my son. <laughs> okay. No, so my, one of my wife's – one of my wife's friends was oh, like, man. hey, look, I'm having a son. I'm sorry. I know you really like this name, but we're going to take the, the name that you guys didn't use. Hmm. So now we can't use it anymore either. Interesting. I'm, I'm still like, 
I'm still like, yes, yes, we can. But pro tip for any listeners out there, don't tell your friends what your backup names are because they'll sneak right in and steal it out underneath you. Just watch enough reality TV in competitions. You'll know what to do. All right, let's we, All right. We really anyway, got back to me. Let's go. Yeah, sorry, back. I'm going to reel it in. <laughs> back, to, back to me making all the perfect picks, and you should listen to me for all your gambling needs. Uh, oh, still don't. <clears throat> um, Sam said I saw the future, and indeed, indeed, sir, I did. Uh, if Tom Brady is good for one thing, it's keeping his own records intact if he's not crushing records. He still hasn't lost three games to the same team in a year, which is going to sound like a very random statistic because how often do you play the same team three times in a year? But when you've been to the playoffs for the last, like, 20 years, it's going to happen more than almost anyone else, right? So you got someone in your division. You're going to play more than once during the regular season. Chances are you might see him in the playoffs. That's how you get it. And when you've been to the playoffs like 20 of 25 times, it's bound to happen on several occasions. So he did that. In this win, he became the first quarterback to start in dual conference champions, uh, dual uh, in conference championship games in both conferences since Joe Montana. That's how long ago it's been. Uh, In this game where they scored 30 points, it was the fifth straight game in which they have scored 50 points. All right, 50 points, 30 points. Um, this one was the one that everyone kind of watched, and for most of the game, it played out a lot like what you wanted it to play out as. It was neck and neck the whole way through. One team would score, the other team would come back and score. It was within like three to seven points. The whole time, in fact, New Orleans had gone up and taken the lead at one point uh, in the third. It was it was a very fun game to watch, depending on which optics you were watching it through. Uh, I am very much, and I was always the same way about New England. Nothing irked me more than saying that we were from a weak division because I always wanted to go through the best of the best to get to the Super Bowl because I didn't want to hear any of the nonsense about Team's not performing. Team's not playing well. Team's excuses for why the Patriots got to where they needed to be. I feel like some of that is going to kind of plague this game because Tom Brady being from New England, people are ridiculous, and it's going to kind of follow suit because what you didn't get was Drew Brees at his best. This was, uh, I won't say a painful game to watch because it wasn't all on him. Some of it definitely was, which is uh, unfortunate. But, um, man, the man threw three interceptions. Some of those, uh, at least one of those, you can't really put on him because it went right through a receiver's hands, ended up getting popped up in the air, and, and got intercepted. Um, but it was it was rough. He had three interceptions. It was his first career playoff game with three or more interceptions. Um he was 19 of 34. He only had 134 passing yards. He only had one touchdown. It was his 18th straight playoff game with a touchdown, second longest in NFL history. So it's still, you know, a good record for him to hold. But I don't know if this was necessarily 
here's where I got to pause a little bit. It's very easy to look at a quarterback who's as old as he is on the cusp of retirement. Um, what didn't help is the one trick play in which they brought in Jameis Winston and he threw an absolute bomb for a touchdown. Um, but that was more of a trick play. Like we all know Jameis Winston is not the best quarterback. He, he just isn't. He has already been around. He's been traded. So like to, it just was a tough look to see that in contrast to what was going on with their starting quarterback. Um, but I genuinely think Tampa has one of the most underrated defensive teams in the league. And I think he got fully exposed this weekend on top of Drew not playing at his peak. That just defensively was a really tough outing. He did have one that was a really tough interception down towards the goal line. He just never saw the defender come across and, and pick the ball out. Um, but this, to me, seemed more like like literally perfect game planning on the defensive side in Tampa. They recognized what was coming. They were able to play against it well. The reason the Jameis Winston play works well is because it was a trick play and they thought it was a run and a reverse and it left the guy wide open downfield and Jameson, who's a starting quarterback. It's not like they threw it to a running back or a tight end like Edelman and expected him to make a great play. He should be able to make that pass every time he throws the ball. He was a wide open receiver going up the middle. Um, but Man, the passer rating for Drew Brees on the day. Do you have any idea what it is, Sam? If you had to take a guess. No, I remember watching the game just thinking like every time he threw it, it was like behind the guy at the ground. You know, Jared Cook like coughed it up a couple of times. I was just like, man, if I had to guess, I would real- say it was like 50-ish, 50 to 70. I didn't know it went this low. It's 38.1. It was 38.1? I did not know it, it went that low. it the ground like four or five times and you get like 30-something? Like that's... Wow. Uh-huh. He had 19 completions and only 134 yards, but he coughed the ball up three <sighs> times. Um, which was, I mean, it was it was really, really tough to see it kind of go out like that. I think you could kind of see the emotion on the tail end of it as, you know, they were leaving off the field because it didn't even take a stellar game by Brady to get it done. I mean, he had guys that were missing the ball a lot. Um it's just like neither one of these guys seem to to be in stride with their their team. I mean, Brady turned it on towards the second half of the game, which is where this really started to swing in their favor. I mean, the turnovers, every time you turn the ball over and you give it to a guy like Tom Brady and the team that he has, you really run the risk of getting hurt. And that's that's honestly what happened. But one of the things to talk about is Michael Thomas, who was in and just a complete non-factor in the game you come to find out after the game that he's going to need like several surgeries for injuries that he's been playing through and he hasn't been 100 percent. but they thought having him out there was better than not having him out there because i don't know if that's desperation the rest of the team i don't know if i'm willing to put a guy out there who's going to have multiple surgeries in the offseason to try and repair like all of the problems in his body because again you're putting him out there and risking it but you know Props to him. He said he, he didn't want to leave his guy out there knowing that it might be his last run at it. But uh, 
all in all, this was just kind of a tough outing. It was sort of vintage Brady, seeing him getting out there, getting the job done. You never can rule out a Tom Brady team until you see what they look like in the second half. And this was a prime example of what that means because they didn't do much in the entire first half of the game. They went into halftime with 13 points. They left some points out. They left some good plays out because there were some some pretty tough drops. Um, but they ended up scoring 30 points in total. So they came out and just really turned it on in the second half. And with the turnovers generated by their defense, the Saints never even stood a chance. Once you saw, once you saw in the third quarter, they tied it up 20-20, you knew exactly how that game was going to play out. Um, yeah, sure did. I was watching it, and I was like, oh. Here we go. This is what you call turn yeah. the page. Yeah, and I I mean it's you started seeing people on Twitter and all over social media talking about putting in Jameis Winston. Like it, it he is not going to be your answer. I'm sorry. You put him in next year, watch what happens. He's not gonna be he had a couple years where he was decent, but that's not that's not the go to. He he had one trick play that, that ended up getting executed well. Um it's tough to see Breeze go out like this. Would you say you want to see him play again just to, like, kind of clean this up? Maybe, but then you wonder, like, does it get worse? Is this yeah. age? Is this the lack of weapons? Was this just really good game planning on Tampa's side, which I honestly think is going to be one of the more underrated conversations. It's going to get lost in the in the big shuffle of Drew Brees and his age. Like, he's he has shown his age over – the tail end of this season, but don't underestimate the game planning that went into this. Cause I think that's a huge part of it. Yeah. That being said, I, I hope to see him in the announcing booth uh, next year. Right. I think that there's so much you can do to appreciate the, the game that drew Brees has played with, you know, being drafted 32nd overall and then getting traded uh, and then getting that shoulder surgery, which people thought was like going to end his career. And there were so many dominoes that had to fall for him to end up in New Orleans. And they did. And he got paired with Sean Payton. They brought a Super Bowl to a team that had been ravaged by an absolute monster of a hurricane. He did so much to advance the game. And, you know, he sparred back and forth with Brady on who's going to have the most, you know, passing yards or the most passing touchdowns. He just had an absolute off game. And if that's the way he's going to go yeah. out, that's the way he's going to go out. The dude also came back from 12 cracked ribs. Okay. And a deflated lung. So he's a fighter. I think he is definitely a first ballot hall of famer without a doubt. Yeah, um, I understand and, first ballot. And we, we have witnessed something, you know, in the last few years, while the offensive prowess has sort of dropped off, Brees has always had to overcome the fact that the defense has almost never been there <laughs> in New Orleans. Yep. So he's, he's almost had to, you know what I mean? Like when, when I first got into fantasy football, it was go after Saints players. If you can grab Drew Brees, grab Drew yep. Brees. Cause he's going to throw a ton of touchdowns because the defense sucks. Right. That was just the thing, you know, in the, in the, the late two thousands, like that's what you knew to do. And like, you can't do anything but just salute a guy who just absolutely put his body on the line to make sure this franchise was where it needed to be. So, not the way they wanted to end the season, I'm sure, but uh, a great game nonetheless. And I, will, I mean, I, absolutely insane that Brady goes from a conference championship in one conference to another conference championship. And, you know, the only guy to do this is, you said Steve Young, right? So, Joe Montana. 
Joe Montana. Joe they, Montana. They the same team in the Niners. I, I get him confused. No, but you know what? The last thing I'll say about this last weekend was, and I guess going into this weekend was, how special is this postseason where in one conference you had three of the oldest and more tenured quarterbacks up in games where they are going to face each other. And on the opposite side, you have some of the best and youngest quarterbacks playing in their perspective game, uh, their respective games. You had Lamar Baker, Allen and Mahomes on one side of the ball and Bra- uh, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, uh, and Aaron Rodgers on the other side of the ball. That is some of the, I mean, Goff, obviously, uh, he's like not the youngest guy, but not the oldest guy. So we'll leave him out of this part of it. But next in the Super Bowl, we are going to have one of the youngest talents against one of the, one of the oldest talents. And that is one of the coolest things. And what you're, what you're going to see is the two different ends of the quarterback spectrum where you're going to have true, pure pocket passers against these young mobile quarterbacks. And I, to me, that is phenomenal. If I was anybody, any of those three, not Tom Brady, I would be petrified because Tom Brady totally smoked the Packers. It's not going to be the same thing this weekend, but they smoked the Packers. They've already beaten the Chiefs. Well, Tom Brady, not they. Tom Brady has already beat the Chiefs in games that matter, and they came close to beating them early in the season before they really kind of figured out what their identity was. And the Bills came in and beat Brady, but how often do you see that? Uh, or they, he came in and played well. Did they play this season? I don't know if they played this season, did they? Who? The Chiefs. I think, I, I think, I'm, I no, think no. I'm confusing. Yeah. No, no. Uh, Chiefs Bills. Bills. Bills, Bills, Bucks. They played, right? Mm, no, I don't I'm, think so. I'm confused. I'm confusing the Bucks and the the Patriots because I know the Patriots got smoked. But in any event, two two of those teams who are left between Brady and his next Super Bowl are teams in which uh, he has handled one of them just absolutely smoked. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So, like any one of those teams, you got to look at it and be like, uh, "What is what? What's going to go on here? Are you rooting? Do you want to go through Brady because that's the greatest of all time, or are you just looking for a Super Bowl and you're like, no, no, just get him out of here'? In which case, his replacement is Aaron Rodgers, who's the other guy you don't want to mess with. So, I think, I think this is going to be the, the, one of the more interesting storylines because imagine if it ended up being like Jared Goff in the playoffs against someone like Mahomes or, or, or Allen, it's the, the new generation. But the fact you have yeah. this old generation, that's like, no, 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 we're still doing this. We're still going against the young guys who are, you know, going bananas. Well, you know, it's I, was, I was confusing the two Pats games. I was, I was confusing the two Pats games in the Bucks. The Bucks have not played uh, the Bills at all this season, obviously. Yeah. And they probably won't either because <clears throat> neither, neither of them are making it to, to the Super Bowl. <laughs> All right. Uh, NFC Championship Double, game. Wait, 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 wait. Double or nothing? Oh, no. No, son. No. <laughs> you made it in a ballsy <laughs> oh, you're, you're not confident? You're not confident? <laughs> Listen, NFC All Championship right. game. Packers, number one seed. Bucks, number five seed. 
It's on Sunday, 3.05. We have two games, two consequential games on Sunday. So if you're listening to this podcast on Saturday, make sure you get all your you know lawn work done, you shovel the driveway, you mow the grass, you get the groceries, mm-hmm. you clean the house, you do whatever you got to do. Because Sunday from 3 to 9 p.m., you're out. You're not paying attention to anything. You're not answering no work emails. You're not like paying attention to your kids unless they're football fans. Like, right? You're, you're just doing that. <sighs> Packers yep. are the four favorite. Now, this is the this is the game we've been waiting for all season. We got the actual goat in Tom Brady versus the skill goat in Aaron Rodgers. But don't get it twisted. Like you said earlier, Packers got smoked the last time these two teams played 38 to 10. That ain't happening again. The team that the Packers were in the beginning part of the season and the team that the Bucs were in the beginning part of the season, they're very, very different teams now. That being said, I think, I think that the Packers are going to win this game 27 to 24. And I, I, I say that because there is just too much about that offense is clicking and the defense is doing just enough to kind of keep it going, where I believe that the Bucs have to go to and fro. They have to have great defense one week and they have to have great offense another week. And I I don't feel it's necessarily the thing. You just played a really good game against a division opponent. It's very hard to beat a team three times in a row. See also Seahawks Rams. So you can't necessarily look at them beating a division foe who they got smoked in the regular season both times to. They didn't win the division because the Saints did. I don't think you can take that and just say, well, they beat the Saints and they're going to beat the Packers. I don't necessarily see that. I do think Aaron Rodgers is the MVP. I do really love what Tom Brady has brought to Tampa Bay or Tampa Bay as he has trademarked it. Okay. If there's been any question about who has been the most successful part of the New England franchise, it's very difficult for you to make an argument over Bill Belichick or, or Tom Brady, right? It's, it's fantastic what they were able to accomplish. To see that Brady goes to another place, he's got a ton of talent, so you can, you can knock him down a peg or two for that. But he's still going out there and executing at a high level. He's 43 and he's playing like he's 23. It's just, it's something, it's a sight to behold. Of course, I'm a homer. I wanted the Seahawks to make it to the Super Bowl, but I am so happy that we're getting a Rodgers Brady grudge fest because every time that we've talked about these two teams going together or two quarterbacks going together, excuse me, we've always been kind of let down. It's always been one sided, right? The, the Packers like came up short against the Patriots last year and then. Packers came up short against the Bucs this year. So, uh, you know, that would lead me to believe that there's a good chance the Bucs smoke this game and they become one of the, the first teams to host the Super Bowl with the home team being from the same stadium. Uh, but I just think for whatever reason, the Packers are playing too much with house money and they're not going to let this chance uh, go away. Or as Hamilton says, not going to waste my shot. No. You're not a Hamilton that's, that's, fan. That's this profound. Uh, uh, yeah, Can I, I put so much out. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I will say that the defensive rating for New Orleans is uh, fifth, and Kansas City this season is eleventh. So they are statistically a better team. Um, but you know, playoffs any given Sunday. Playoffs. All that jazz. So Playoffs. Playoffs. <laughs> and actually, where does uh hold on, hold on, hold on. I gotta keep going down the list to the thirteenth Packers. So uh 
Packers statistically rated far less than the Saints. Stars are aligning a little bit. Um, anyway. No stats don't matter. The uh, the Chiefs would have to get there first. Um, oh, you but, don't think they're good, do you? I don't. So here's my thing. Uh, All right, I'm breaking down the Chiefs-Bills game, and, and there's a couple factors that got to go into this. One, obviously, is Mahomes going to play because Chad Henney had some late heroics, but is he going to be able to put that together for an entire game? Probably, probably not. Um, but, I mean, this Bills team is – I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. This one's, this one's a tough. This one is definitely a tough one for me because they're identical in their matchups. However, the Buffalo Bills average more points per game than they actually rank second in the league to Kansas City's sixth. And in points allowed, there's a point difference between the two of them. So. It's difficult. It's really difficult to try and guess this one. It's going to depend on whether or not the Chiefs come out and they play one of their games where they're playing to the level of their opponents. And in the Bills, it's a very high level. But Mahomes is like a red zone machine, and it's almost guaranteed points whenever he gets in the red zone. Not necessarily the case for the Bills. They're not big on letting up a lot of points in the end zone. They only average about 23 games, uh, 23 points per game. So, I mean, I kind of feel like everything is lining up this season for the Bills. They didn't have a running game, which is going to be difficult because you you need to have a running game uh, in order to go up against a team that's as well-rounded as Kansas City is, um, man, this one's this one is a this one is a tough one. Um, if I look at all right, I'm just gonna go with my gut. If Mahomes starts. I think it's going to be a close game. I actually think the Bills are going to take this one. I think they're riding too much momentum. Uh, Let's go. I think th- I think their defense is better than the Browns' defense has been, even though I think the Browns' defense was underrated all season. Um, I think if they can come out, get get an early start, get a couple points on the board and then find a way to get the running game and get Singletary back into uh, to some of the runs. Isolate Hill. Make sure you get him double teamed as often as you can. I do think you stand a chance to come out and, and play better. You are a much better ranked defense than the Cleveland Browns. They've been just a disaster at some points of the season, not all season. They've been, they've been decent, definitely a little bit more underrated than I think, you know, they're rated like lower, lower third of the league. But I think if the bills come out, they figure out the running game, they get, they get their running backs involved. Even if it's Allen carrying the ball more than five yards than he did, you know, like he did last weekend, uh, it kind of changes things up enough. This one's going to be a really hard game for Kansas City. I mean, they did almost lose to the Browns. Let's not forget that. I know, whatever. I don't want to rehash it, but they did 
play a closer <laughs> game than what you let on uh, oh, against yeah. the Browns and the Browns is a surging team. And if you had to put me, uh, if you put the bills and the Browns together, it would be an easy bills win for me every time they played against each other. So um, I know chiefs got all the, the, you know, hype and everything going around him. Do I think Mahomes is going to bounce back from an injury like that, that quickly? Maybe, but there's going to be, if nothing else, hesitancy, I think, because you take a shot like that one week and then five weeks later you're playing another game that's different. You play, you take a shot like that, you run the risk of taking a shot like that again a second time. Like, have you ever spun so much that you're almost going to get sick and then like three days later you try oh. to spin again? Like no, you I'm are... Still, actually gotten you are, sick. I, <laughs> exactly. If at any point over the next like four or five days you even spin a little bit, you're like, well... I might get sick here again because it, it does something to you and your body takes so long to recover that when I spun, when I was like 10, it was different than when I was like in my eight, I spun so bad on a merry-go-round once that to this day, I cannot go on a spinning ride. I cannot, we had one of those where like I braced myself and the biggest guy in our group spun it as fast as he humanly could. And the only reason I bring this up is because concussions can sometimes feel very similar like everything your equilibrium everything can kind of get thrown off a little bit you can feel nauseous you can feel sick and all it takes is like a little bit of a tap in that same general area or the same kind of impact to sort of bring all those feelings back so i think it's going to make him a little bit more gun shy you may not see i mean he may put it out all on the line because he's a professional player who's trying to win games but i think subconsciously you always are going to be a little bit more aware of that and you're not going to make some of those aggressive plays that you may have otherwise made because you now know you run the risk of knocking yourself out, not only for that game. I don't mean physically getting knocked out, but going out with an injury that game. But you take two concussion injuries, you run the risk of sitting at the Super Bowl if you make it that far. So this is going to be a tough one. you got to wonder if he's just going to sell out, put his body in the line, and just say the hell with it. We'll see what happens. Or if he's going to be a little bit more gun-shy, if there's still some residuals there. If he's 100%, it's going to be a tough matchup. I still think the Bills are going to take it no matter what. If he doesn't get that start or if he gets in and isn't 100%, I actually think the Bills might run away with this one a little bit because you have Tyreek, you have Travis Kelsey. I don't think Henny's going to be connecting with those guys for four quarters. He might do it early on because you don't know what to expect out of him. But I'm going to go Bills. I actually think... I'm going to ask you here in a second. I think it's going to be a Bucks bills matchup. That's my guess. I don't. I think it'll be Packers. I think, I think it'll be Packers-Chiefs, but I could see Packers-Bills. If, if Mahomes doesn't play, I, I do believe it could be Packers-Bills. Fair enough. Fair enough. Right Fair on. Enough. I got a... Uh, yeah, I got a, an interesting weekend on the docket, to say the least. So I'm here for that at and least. I, and I have an interesting uh, weekend on the docket uh, for the Super Bowl with those <laughs> four beers that uh, are coming via Stork because somebody, somebody. I like how he doesn't have enough confidence to go double or nothing, though. No, you, you love that I don't have <laughs> enough confidence because you're going you're gonna to find a way to turn four beers you're going to send to me into four beers I'm going to send to you. That's, that's how that works. <laughs> What do you mean? I thought I thought Green Bay. I, I thought both my picks are wrong. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, but yeah. all uh, right, no. everybody, yeah, you lost. Anyways, 
That's episode 41 with BS in Portland, Maine, North Haven, Connecticut. Conference championship. Real quick, Let's remember go. when you were a kid? Remember when you were a kid and you mm-hmm. saw what a uh, uh, eighteen year old looked like, and you're like, "Oh my god, they're old." And then you saw like a thirty year old, you're like, "Oh my god, you're old." You saw forty year old, you're like, "Holy shit, your grandparents!" Our podcast is grandparent years old, and I have enough gray hairs to really look like a grandparent anyway. So <laughs> you guys, you guys, you guys can't see it, um, oh, but I've got some solid grays coming in. Uh, Do you have any oh, grays? No- here. That's all I want to know. Yeah. yeah. See them right there? Yeah, yep. I got a lot. So I, I went to a – what's that? Oh, they're, they're everywhere. It's hard to see on this camera. But I went to uh, my um, brother-in-law's house, and he has two kids. And his daughter is usually my biggest fan. Still is. She's great. Uh, but I sit down, and I go, hey, give me a hug. And she goes, no. I'm like, give me a high five. No. And, and I go, how come? She gets really close to me. She goes, you got silver in your hair. And she like runs her fingers. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do. And then she goes, oh, you also have some on your face. I'm like, all right, kid, get out of town. Uh, I remember this next Christmas. Yeah, right? (laughs) Oh, what did Uncle Tim get you? You got me a book. You got me an AARP card. (laughs) I'm going to buy you. I'm going to buy you. Do you guys remember when you used to get bonds from your grandparents? I'm going to buy her a bond. Something you can't use for 25 years. You can you can cash that shit. You're just not gonna get any money off of it. Right. Here's a bond. When you're when you're 20, it'll be worth 25 dollars. Cash in tomorrow, it's two cents. Get out of here. I don't know that. But anyways, this is episode 41 of the Stats Matter podcast. We'll talk to you next week. Peace. Peace.